Thank you for listening to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care Podcast. For copyright and disclaimers, as well as information about how to contact the iCritical Care staff, please listen to the notice at the end of this podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Savell. We are recording this podcast during the 38th Critical Care Congress here in Nashville, Tennessee. We have two guests today. The first is Dr. William A. Brock, MD, FCCM, and Carrie Ogilvie, CCRN, MSRN. We will be focusing today on Paragon Critical Care. This is a new, exciting initiative developed by the Society of Critical Care Medicine as sort of an outreach project to enhance the quality of critical care in hospitals throughout the United States and Dr. Brock and Nurse Ogilvie will help me understand this a little bit better. Dr. Brock is currently uh, chair of the Paragon Committee and is a Paragon coach, and he is vice president and chief quality officer at Texas Health Presbyterian Hospital in Plano, Texas. Uh, Carrie Ogilvie is, uh, from what I understand, is the director of nursing and critical care at Lakeland Regional Medical Hospital in Lakeland, Florida. And what we're going to do today is start out by speaking with Dr. Brock and then focus on uh, Nurse Ogilvie to really get a sense from both the perspective of a Paragon team and a hospital in which Paragon has visited. Thank you both for visiting. Thank you. Dr. Brock, we'll start with you. Maybe if you could tell us a little bit about when this whole project got started, how you got involved with it, and maybe take us through uh, uh, some of the steps, and we'll take it from there. The Society of Critical Care Medicine was interested in doing the um, taking quality improvement to the next level. We have been involved in defining best practice with white papers, position papers, best practice design through the American College of Critical Care but had not really taken that next step to be a quality implementation arm to try to help individual hospitals around the country to move their dot, to take their current level of practice to the next level and achieve the best possible outcomes for their patients. So Dr. Fred Ognabeni uh, approached me a couple of years ago and asked me if I would help um, to design this program and with the excellent help of the SCCM staff and Lori Harmon in particular, we got to work in um, designing a program, selecting some initial coaching ideas, and um, then using the ICU report tool, those hospitals from around the country that had already utilized that and had expressed an interest in improving their level of performance, um, selected from those hospitals, um, or at least inquired from those hospitals uh, to see the level of interest in pursuing this program further. And from what uh, I understand, speaking with Laurie before, actually, it, it either sort of was or was an offshoot of the Surviving Sepsis campaign. Is that right? Well, I think that sepsis was a very common topic. That was one that was in the middle of the Surviving Sepsis campaign. Everybody was interested in it. And many of the hospitals that we worked with were very interested in participating in the campaign. We used a lot of the same techniques in terms of uh, knowledge transfer. We, um, but, but this was different in that we actually had a team that would go to the individual hospitals and uh, speak with their staff 
to try to help them to um, first assess where their greatest opportunities were and then design a plan to help them get there. Right. And um, we'll speak more with Carrie about this later, but I'd like to hear your perspective on how do you go from the idea of this to starting to organize a team and picking which hospital to start with? Maybe if you could take a few minutes on that, that would be terrific. Each hospital has different uh, strengths and weaknesses, uh, opportunities that they have determined either through their own performance improvement programs or through um, their, the metrics that we all measure as part of participation in CMS and other types of things in hospitals. We, after we've um, had an initial ICU report um, returned to us that's analyzed by the coaching staff those opportunities are defined and then after sites are selected we have an initial telephone conference with that team to determine level of interests what resources they have in terms of their level of commitment to the program because this is a year-long project where we will uh, be really not only going in to try to help them design better processes but to monitor those projects going forward right and so you hit on a couple Really interesting points, and again, I was speaking with Lawyer before about this, and I'd like to talk more. Um, from what I understand, you sort of sent out a, a request for interest, and you got a lot of interest. Is that right? We did. And how did you then, um, in more detail, sort of pick where you were going to start with sort of site zero? We used the um, level of participation with the ICU report. We sent out other um, surveys. We had... Um, phone interviews with those folks, and then selected those um, sites where we thought would oh, most really likely help to us to um, explore the concept, because this is a pilot program from SCCM at that point, and we were trying to see where we could have the greatest impact. We selected small hospitals and big hospitals. We selected highly successful hospitals and, and hospitals that really did have a lot of opportunity or, or had specific problems that they wanted us to help them with. And who do, who do you tend to hear from? Is it all over the map or is it that you hear from the CEO of the hospital or the physician or nurse head of the particular unit? Maybe if you want to talk about that. Our contacts were predominantly through the clinical staff really? after they had done their uh, initial support. Because remember, this is a society of critical care medicine, and although we're pro multi-professional by nature, there aren't many hospital administrators right. um, that would be in that first wave of, of mailings that we would be reaching out to contact. Um, and then from your perspective personally, from what I understand, you were part of what I meant by the team is how did you decide how big or small your team needed to be and, and what kind of people needed to be on that? Laurie, as you know, is a respiratory therapist by training, so that helped us uh, from those standpoints. I had worked with Sarah Darwin at the Centera Healthcare, where I was at, the, at that time, and she was my critical care nurse um, administrator as well as um, a partner in many quality improvement projects at that um, organization. So we thought we had to have a strong nursing coach, strong physician coach, um, pharmacy and or respiratory involved. And based on our initial uh, site visits, we uh, decided that we would use that nuclear team to, to start with and then branch out from there. And then from what I understand, your initial site was a hospital out in Alaska. If you want to talk about that, that would be terrific. 
We did. It was a, a wonderful experience. We uh, had uh, great contacts out there, uh, great pre-work, so we had an excellent uh, idea of what opportunities uh, they had. We went out and uh, developed an instant rapport with um, their team. They had all the essential elements in place, but um, many unique challenges to not only geography as to where they were as um, a hospital that was on in the middle of a very large healthcare system, but mm-hmm. very geographically remote. So uh, as they had opportunities there, not only to develop better programs, but also to serve as an example for others within their system. We um, dealt with multidisciplinary teams uh, and helping to strengthen them. When we initially went out there, they were only meeting uh, three days a week. They've since augmented to seven days a week. They had a young... So do you mean rounds? Rounds, multidisciplinary rounds. Okay. And uh, so they were rounding regularly, but but only Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and saw the value of perhaps extending that to uh, seven days a week. They've added palliative care and really helped to develop that as a program. Were there intensivists present? I mean, uh, as one aspect of the critical care team? There, there were, but they, uh, as in many hospitals, have many other duties. Uh, they weren't uniquely dedicated to the ICU experience, but were um, very active in the other aspects of the hospital. and uh, Administratively or clinically or both? Both. Okay. Uh, predominantly clinically, though. And um, just to take a step back before you went to the hospital, did you sort of come up with a game plan about how you thought you were going to approach this before you got there, or were there visits where you were just sort of taking in information uh, or how how does that work? The survey results that we um, send out to folks and have a chance to look at in, in advance helps to define areas of opportunity, whether those are administrative, whether they're in physician management, whether they're quality improvement initiatives. Uh, there are um, several um, clues from the IC report that we use. That, that plus the phone conferences that we had before we got there helped us to um, have a rough idea of where our focus would be. However, it, there's nothing like that on-site visit and actually participating in multidisciplinary rounds, meeting their senior leadership, which is one of the first things we do as a, an on-site event is meet with their senior leadership and try to help to get their perspective as well as where the greatest opportunities are. And how many uh, current uh, coaching teams are there like yourself now? Well, we have now had three separate teams uh, go out to five sites. Three of our pilots are completed. Two are still in progress. Uh, We have a team from Denver Health. We have uh, a team that is a multidisciplinary team that has a physician from um, the the East Coast and uh, a nurse champion that was from uh, the Carolinas. Uh, We have um, a variety of increased interest and therefore a greater um, pool from which we can draw. And one of the major events here at this society will be our first uh, event of of training coaches for the process so that we'll have uh, hopefully a broader uh, depth of experience and expertise from around the country, not only from a physician and nursing pool, but from pharmacists and respiratory therapists and all members of the uh, multidisciplinary team, multiprofessional team that we have. And before we switch over uh, to Nurse Ogilvy, I was wondering maybe if you want to conclude your section by saying um, 
maybe the th event or two that you're most proud of that you've learned or gotten completed during this and maybe what what you learned as somebody to try and change behavior in in a hospital setting that that you didn't going into the process to me the greatest takeaway from the experience in the the pilots that we have in progress so far has been um, there are great opportunities out there. Um, I think the frontline folks are uh, passionate about delivering the best care possible to their patients. We have had sites where our major challenges were administrative. We've had those that um, getting the infrastructure of how the intensive care unit itself ran uh, was the most important thing. Um, the sense of team and getting folks to work together. Um, and, and that has been... Um, a uniform observation, whether they were small or large or um, highly functional or not, there were opportunities. And with the frontline folks' uh, commitment to do things, uh, we have been successful in a variety of different settings, sometimes with administrative support, sometimes without, sometimes with intensivist support, sometimes without. Hmm. Um, but uh, as they have seen the potential of the project, as the team's on site uh, have really gotten the message that they could be better, they could do better, and saw the results of that teamwork and delivering better care. Um, it's been momentum that sustains itself. The coaching staff at Paragon gets out there and helps them to, to see the possibilities, helps them to, to get those initial successes, um, and to help them enjoy the journey. Because So no matter what the situation is, you sort of can make an assessment to say, here's, here's where we can improve, rather than focusing on maybe something that's not an, an immovable force saying, well, here's where we can without making too many changes or something like that? Well, I think every team needs success. So you look at the greatest opportunity as to where can they have um, an early success? Where can they, where do they have the essential elements that um, they can with a little bit of better organization or more administrative support or more, um, maybe they're missing one element of the team. When they can get those folks together, then they can see that success, and then they can build on that. All right, Carrie, we, uh, we thought we'd give uh, you an opportunity as someone who had a Paragon team visit you, if you could talk about what that experience was like, why you needed a team, and, and were they effective, and, and all that. So Certainly. We were uh, visited by the Paragon team in October of 2007. Prior to that, we had been involved with the VHA transformation of the ICU, which is a quality uh, project, and we had worked with that for about five years. We had had great success. We had really shown that we had um, good outcomes, but we still had opportunities and we still had challenges of sustaining the results that we had seen. Uh, when we were approached by Paragon and Society of Critical Care Medicine, we were thrilled that we were selected as one of the sites. They came into our uh, institution. They visited us. Um, in that October, and um, it was an objective view. It was the you know, fifteen thousand foot view. We we have uh, we're an eight hundred fifty one bed hospital, level two trauma. We're in Central Florida, located on the I four corridor between Tampa and Orlando. We have seventy two ICU beds. We have uh, an eighteen bed SICU, which is a CV ICU. We have two um, eighteen bed medical ICUs, and uh, we have an eighteen bed trauma unit. And with a hospital that big, is it is it a training hospital? Are there fellows, residents, or no? No, we are not not for profit community hospital. And so, it's a 
and just before they came, was your was it a, would you consider it an open unit or a closed unit? I know those are sort of dirty <laughs> words or whatever, but and and were there intensivists and how what were they, was it twenty four seven that kind of thing? We have uh, what is typically termed an open ICU. Any physician that has privileges at our institution may admit to the ICU. Eighty five to ninety percent of those. Um, patients that are in bed in our ICUs are seen uh, either as a consult or attending by our on-staff intensivist. We have 10 critical care medicine physicians that are there 24-7. The other 10% are our trauma surgeons, our CV surgeons, and cardiologists. So I'm just going to take a step back because I think before picturing this team coming in, it's important to understand the unit. So very large hospital. And what many would consider already a fairly robust, at least from a physician staffing perspective, a reasonable, uh, very good to have a 24-7 model of uh, physician intensivist providers. And yet you felt there were things that could be improved and leading to you uh, getting Paragon involved, if you'd like to talk about that. Yes. uh, One of the issues we had was... uh, physician um, being on board with our uh, multidisciplinary team. The other issues that we have had is sustaining results and actually having a physician champion to help us uh, navigate the um, protocols and to get a single standard of care because we, even though we have very good protocols and very good practice, we still had variances in practice. And um, just one more question about your unit. Was it divided up into a, a medical ICU and then a separate surgical ICU and a separate open heart ICU or was it sort of an ICU bed as an ICU bed? Uh, We have must criteria uh, where certain patients, our trauma patients have to go to our trauma ICU, our uh, post open heart patients have to go to our surgical ICU, Uh, but then an ICU bed is an ICU bed. I'm trying to picture Paragon team coming in. Can you talk a little bit about what that day was like? Or as uh, I guess Dr. Brock pointed out before, it started out with uh, communication with uh, Dr. Brock and his team. Mm-hmm. Yes, they came. They uh, toured our unit. Um, they actually did multidisciplinary rounds with us. They brought uh, into us uh, and presented to the medical uh, staff and to the ICU team uh, their successes and what the Paragon uh program was about, um, how they saw quality. Um, They had, uh, Lori and I had had conversations about what our challenges and opportunities were at Lakeland, and we kind of zeroed in on on that. We actually had a debriefing. Uh, We had a a meeting at the end of the second day that they were there, which was um, a dinner, and we talked about the results. They gave us a formal report of, um, a preliminary report of where they saw our opportunities, were so even on that first day there were sort of issues that were discussion points right yes and um then they followed that up by a written report that we were then able to take to our executive team and um you know going into specifics what were some of the areas that they recommended to you that could easily try and make some improvements in your critical care environment when we started uh in 2003 with the transformation of the icu we did the pdsa cycle and we did that uh, so plan very, do study act yes and we did that very well and we had some great success and somehow in the day-to-day and activity we lost sight of that so they brought us back to the basics and really um challenged us as to why aren't you doing this they helped us refocus into what has worked in the past and ask us why 
why we quit doing that. And uh, I think it was a reality check for each of us. They also um, challenged us with some of our inconsistent results because in Central Florida, there's a tendency in from January to April to get extremely busy. And during that time, we have to overflow into um, extra ICU beds that were not staffed. Um, so we pull of our resources and they ask us, why do your rates, why do your hospital-associated infection rates, why do you see a bump in that, and why is that okay? And um, we're sort of heading near in the end here, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to share with SCCM. I know you've gotten so uh, inspired by this that you are a uh, Paragon coach now, and maybe you could talk a little bit about that story. That would be great perhaps to inspire others. I think the value of having um, expertise come to your hospital is um, what's invaluable. You learn from their experience, you gain knowledge, um, and it helps you promote the best patient care for all of our patients. So Dr. Brock, this really has been a, a terrific opportunity. I'd like you to sort of take a few minutes, if you could, to talk about what's worked and what your vision for the future of this project is. Well, this has been one of the more exciting projects I've been part of. Uh, being able to take a, a good idea, create some structure to that, that, that thought, and to actually see this be successful in a variety of different clinical settings has been very exciting. We have been able to add value, I think, to each clinical setting that we have visited so far. And we have also learned from those sites. We have taken away those um, opportunities that have worked well, those things that perhaps haven't worked quite so well. We clearly are committed to this project. We have seen that this is a successful um, and unmet need at this point uh, so that uh, we believe that the demand for this type of intervention is going to do nothing but go um, and increase over time and that we are going to be able to uh, reach out and really raise the bar across the nation in terms of improving um, the outcomes in individual ICUs going forward. You've been listening to our Paragon Critical Care podcast, and we've had a terrific opportunity to speak with Dr. William A. Brock and Carrie Ogilvie to learn more about Paragon Critical Care. I'd like to thank you both for spending some time with me today. Thank you. This concludes our podcast. I'm Dr. Richard Savell. The Paragon Critical Care Quality Implementation Program offers hospitals an unparalleled opportunity to benefit from the experiences of peer leaders dedicated to critical care performance improvement. Through the use of engaging tools provided by SCCM and others, Paragon utilizes a combination of self-assessment, teleconferences, site visits, peer collaboration, consulting, and coaching to help hospitals develop high-functioning critical care teams. Hospitals interested in becoming a Paragon participant to positively transform their critical care units should contact Lori Harmon, RRT, MBA, Paragon Critical Care Manager at 1-847-493-6403 or via email at lharmon at sccm.org. The iCritical Care podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members. Your host is the Society's Associate Editor for Podcasts, Richard Savell, MD, FCCM. Dr. Savell is the medical co-director of the Surgical Intensive Care Unit at Montefiore Medical Center in New York City.
practicing under the leadership of Vladimir Kavetin, MDFCCM. To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email iCriticalCare at sccm.org or info at sccm.org.